welcome to another episode of Opera After Dark. And if you're wondering... If you're wondering what this music is in reference to, it has nothing to do with this episode. I just saw Hello Dolly and I loved it. It was that great. Is, I wanted to share it with all of you people. That is Elspeth's impersonation of the brass. The brass in, section of the Hello Dolly Orchestra. I think it was pretty accurate. Fairly accurate. It was beautiful. Yeah, that kicked brass. Ha ha. Have you been saving? <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me, do you guys have, um, like, if you're in a situation where you need a lot of confidence going into a room or anything, do you have a song that you, like, play in your head to, like, boost up um, your confidence? No. I don't currently, but when I was an athlete, I had, like, a whole pump-up playlist. Oh, yeah? Like, with, with a lot of songs. I, I do, too. It's on my phone. It's called The Pub Toe. It just pump up before the opera. I sort nice. of have the it's a lot of like trashy music. I sort of have the right. opposite list where it's like I have certain songs that I always play when I've just finished doing something very stressful and I have like a lot of adrenaline that I need to oh. release. And I usually have nice. a like dance it out party in my living room just gotcha. to get rid of it. And gotcha. yeah, so I have that. You know playlist. what? What kind of lame song always gets me really pumped up? What? What? The final countdown by Journey. That's by a Journey, great right? song. Um, no, it's not by Journey. Who's it by? I gotta look this up, but it's not Journey. It's some band that you've never heard of. Europe by Europe. Europe, that's it. Yes, that's it. Mine is. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but it is the only the instrumental section from um, the. Gonna Fly Now in Rocky? No. Um, from the, the title song from Goldfinger, the James Bond movie. That's just so random. So, um, you know, it's Shirley, it's Shirley Bassey, I think, that does it. Um, she goes, Goldfinger, <laughs> where are you now? And that's what plays in my head. Just the, where are you now? Because you, your badass self is like a secret agent. Maybe. Yes. Or maybe a super villain. Hmm. Probably a super villain. She's so I could sit there in like a big chair petting my cat. <laughs> you could. Your hairless cat. He's got hair. Just one layer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post a Henri picture on like, the blog. He's got hair. Everybody calm down. Henri is like Mr. Bigglesworth uh, post freezing. <laughs> Oh, Come, not. Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> he's not. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hey, what Naomi? are we talking about today, You know Naomi? what's not on my pump-up list? What? The music of today's episode. Oh, what a beautiful segue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what are so, we talking about today? Today we're talking about one of those very obscure operas that has a crazy and amusing plot. And by a composer that is not well known at all for his operas. So to kick us off, I'm going to say the name of the composer, 
And I'm going to ask what the first thing is that comes to mind when, so we're gonna play a game. I'll say his name and both of you just shout Elspeth first, then Kyle, mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Rafe Von Williams. Riders to the Sea. Kyle. Uh, I think I think of like really long uh, song cycles or like. <laughs> <laughs> that's Go what on. I think Go of. On. I don't have a specific name in mind. Okay. Well, like interesting piece. that Elspeth says Riders to the Sea because that is actually an opera yes, by Rayfron Williams. Not very oh. well known and not the topic of our episode today. Sorry. But it is, no, it's, it's interesting because he's really well known for more of his symphonic music and song cycles. So Fantasia on a Theme by Thomas Tallis is one of his super famous ones. Mm -hmm. um, the Lark mm -hmm. Ascending, also very popular. He wrote, oh, what's it called? Uh, Lamentations of Jeremiah or something like that. Anyway, oh yeah, a lot of a lot of symphonic music, um, several symphonies. Are his, are his operas like Britain esque at all? Like Benjamin Britten? No, I wouldn't say Not so. Really? The, oh, okay. Whenever I listen to Ray Fawn Williams, I feel like I am transported to like an English meadow with sheep running across it and mm. that type of thing. He's very which is always a pleasant thought and feeling. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's very like pastoral English countryside sort of thing. One of my favorite pieces by him is Silent Noon, which is part of a song cycle. Mm -hmm. I think it's part of the House of Life song cycle. And let's mm. let's listen to a bit of that now. Yeah, this I have a recording with Ian Bostridge singing. Oof. Oh, so, love, love Ian, Ian Bostridge. Bostridge. <laughs> Your hands lie open in the long, fresh grass. The finger points look through. Even so, when I was still singing, mm -hmm. um, I looked to Ian Bostridge with hope because he's somebody who has a successful career, but he doesn't perform in operas. Mm -hmm. That's true. He does perform in operas sometimes. Yeah, but mainly he's a recording artist and he does recitals. That's like his main yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. And something that I identified in myself pretty early on is that I am a shit actor. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. So I was like, hey, maybe I can sing 
song repertoire and not be as good of an actor and people will still like me. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, now I really want to see you acting in something. Guys, it's bad. Just ask my <laughs> wife. Like, how bad could it be? It's bad. Like, just, I, hopefully, I my, what I tell myself is that it would be better now that I've seen so much really good acting and so mm-hmm. many different things, but... Now that you've lived a life, you traveled the world. Yes. Lived a life, but when I was life. in school, oh god, it was shit. I really want. I think to it's see just it. mm-hmm. like if I'm in a situation where I'm like telling a story or like telling a joke that's kind of impromptu, I mm-hmm. feel like I can act it out just fine because it's I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. It's just whatever is occurring to me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm reciting something like spoken dialogue that's written or trying to act out a scene in an opera. It's the thought process, I think, for me, is just too slow. And yeah. it keeps things from seeming real. Okay. Well, you know what? There are a fair amount of people that have singing careers that are really horrible actors. I said right. it. <laughs> right. And, you know, like, for a long time, opera wasn't really about the acting. No one really cared yeah. if you could act. So mm-hmm. it's true. Well, does it, I appreciate it. You don't have to make me feel better. It is what it is. Shit actor. Oh, we'll but actually, I, that's not to say that Ian Bostridge isn't a, a good actor. I think he He's does very actor. nice things. Yeah. So. Yeah. In any case, sorry about that segue. That's just what I always think about when I think of Ian Bostridge. Mm. All right. Well, our composer is Rayfon Williams. Williams. And what's so the name of the opera, or do we have to wait? The name of the opera is The Poisoned Kiss. Ba ba ba. It's actually a pretty fantastic story. I think I've never seen it performed live. Do people die? Almost. Oh. Not quite. To give you a, a sense of where this falls, okay. this uh, Vaughn Williams' life, he was born in 1872. He died in 1958. He was an English composer. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, he was bestest friends with Gustav Holst. Oh. So, the guy Planets who wrote guy. The Planets. Yep. And he's really well known, Vaughn Williams, for his contributions to art song, uh, really drawing on English folk song, that sort of thing. And so... He did some choral stuff too, right? He did do quite a bit of choral stuff. And he integrated choral things into his symphonies. So Hmm. there's that. Always fun. Always nice to listen to. Neat aspect of his work. And he... So he went through this phase in the 1920s where he was trying to write like a Gilbert and Sullivan-esque operetta in English. <laughs> and that's where the poisoned kiss comes from, this attempt oh, to, write, okay. <laughs> to write that kind of feeling of a thing. But most critics say that the whole story was a little bit too heavy-handed. He didn't really achieve the wittiness of Gilbert and Sullivan or like the kind of the satire. He didn't quite capture that. And... So because of that, it kind of falls flat a little bit in terms of its humor. But its story is real crazy. And I've heard some of the music, and it actually sounds like kind of neat. So I thought we could learn yeah. about this this opera because let's, it's a really fantastic plot. Let's journey into the world of the Poison Kiss. All right, are you ready? Yes. Well, first off, ready. is it based on something, or did he just, like, yes, pull it, is, it out of his butt? No, it is based on... <laughs> It is based I don't know. on two sources, actually. Oh, okay. So he hired a lady librettist, Evelyn Sharp, 
And mm. she drew the story from Richard Garnett's The Poison Maid Ooh, and Nathaniel yeah. Hawthorne's Rappaccini's Daughter. And so it's kind of like an amalgamation of those Isn't two there stories. An opera based on Rappaccini's Daughter? Possibly. Okay. This might be the one, or there might no, be more than one. One that's just like, I think it's called like Rappaccini's Daughter or something. Okay. This this opera <laughs> in is Italian. Not- hey, Rappaccini. Rappaccini. So Ophelia it's <laughs> Rappaccini. Rappaccini. Right. Yes. So it's known most commonly as the Poisoned Kiss, but Wikipedia also says it is known or as or the Empress and the Necromancer. Ooh. Yes. What? Necromancer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It is in English. It was first premiered in 1936, and then it didn't do so well, so he revised it a couple of times after that, but it never really made Mm. it into the canon. Before we talk about the plot, I just want to say real briefly, um, Evelyn Sharp was like a pretty badass lady in her own right. Tell us more. Um, She was a key figure in two major British women's suffrage societies, Um, The Militant Women's Social and Political Union and the United Suffragists. Hmm. She helped found the latter and became editor of a magazine called Votes for Women during the First World War. Um, She was thrown in jail twice and she became a tax resistor. So she was (laughs) Um, (laughs) And she was also an established um, author and she published a bunch of books a lot for uh, children. So she lived, you know, pretty awesome life. Apparently she was a really militant activist hmm. at the beginning Ooh. of her life and through the First World War. And that's why she like, was thrown in jail a couple of times. She was pretty violent. No. But like, militant. That doesn't mean violent necessarily. A real diehard. A diehard. She believed in okay, the cause. Okay. Alright. Well, she's a badass I feel like- and well done Rayfun Williams for recognizing that ladies can write with librettos as well. Right. I feel like that broad experience from her life probably contributed to her writing in a good way. Yes, unless yeah. this is absolute shit. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, basically. And this thing Naomi was going to say was, like, and people generally say the libretto sucks. <laughs> the libretto is not, the libretto's critique that I came across when mm-hmm. I was researching it was that people just kept saying it didn't achieve the Gilbert and Sullivan vibe they were going for. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that means it was bad. It just necessarily didn't reach, you know, their initial goal or it didn't fall in line with their initial goal. But All right. who knows? I mean, when you learn the story, you're going to think this is a pretty fantastic opera. And it's okay. done a lot by, like, smaller opera companies and opera diploma programs and, you know, conservatories. I think because it's shorter, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more manageable. But there's a lot of characters, as okay. you will, as you will nice. learn. I'm ready. Let's do this. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So, once upon a time <gasps> in a faraway <gasps> land, we come, across, <laughs> we come across a maiden and her name is Tormentilla. Where are we? In a faraway land. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Italy. Who knows? My, my mistake. I was going to say Spain. For the record, I was trying to find a plot synopsis of this that like really laid things out scene by scene and act by act. And it was very hard to come by. So I'm not 100% sure where we are. But far away unknown land. Possibly it Italy. Works. That sounds mm-hmm. legit. Yes. So Tormentilla. Her father, mm-hmm. his name is Dipsicus. 
Okay. <laughs> I knew Kyle would like that one. Okay. <laughs> or a Get over here, dips a kiss. <laughs> Isn't that how you would pronounce it? Yeah, that seems legit. Yeah, dips a kiss. Okay. So. It's actually uh, dips a coos. Dips a coos. <laughs> Deep sea coos. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to call him dips a kiss. He is actually a very powerful magician slash enchanter slash wizard. And so okay. he has this daughter, Tormentila, and he raises her from the time she's born on a diet of only poison. Oh. Okay. So she's she's raised on poison. Uh-huh. Is and this he, to build an immunity? Well, she has an immunity, and he has... So she's like the ultimate living weapon? Yes, a living weapon. And okay. this is all in like a very long-term revenge plot against uh, an empress that jilted him or he has some kind of you oh, know man. wound or of course baggage with right? of course of course so no he, offense kyle but of course <laughs> he has this revenge that he wants to get on the empress and so he raises his daughter tormentila only on poison so that when she comes of age and she falls in love he's concocting it such that she will fall in love with the empress's son whose name is amaryllus and that when they first kiss Basically, the kiss is the lethal weapon, and he will be instantly poisoned and die. Mm-hmm. Okay? Nice. So this is why he raises her on poison. So, Tormentila actually knows nothing about this, and she does fall in love with Emma Rilus, uh, but she doesn't know that he is the Empress's son, and she doesn't know anything about the revenge plot with her father, uh, what she thinks is, she thinks that Emma Rulus is a lowly goat herder. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so she falls in love with him. And then, uh, they, so they you know, have this beautiful love story. And so Tormentila also has a maid by the name of Angelica. And it just so happens that Angelica is being pursued by Emma Rulus's valet, whose name is Galantus. All right, so we have, like, uh, two pairs okay. happening Got it. here. How does he have a valet if she, like, how does she think that he's a shepherd if he has a valet? I don't know. I'm sure it's, like, this is my fellow shepherd, my fellow goat herder. So naive. So he's just, like, actively lying to her. He, yeah, I guess so. So hmm. he deserves to die yeah. by poison. Yeah. Right. Yep, yep. So... At some point, Tormentila and Angelica decide to take a journey yes. to Golden Town. I, I can't town. help but think of that. <laughs> Eliza. And Peggy. Sorry. I'm Tormentia. so sorry. No. I don't really care about Tormentia. Angelica Tormentia. <laughs> okay, so the and two Amaryllis. of them. And Amaryllis. And Amaryllis. <laughs> when I first read this, I didn't realize at first that amaryllis was a, a boy and like an amaryllis is a flower and so the first time through right. i kept thinking amaryllis was a woman but it's amaryllis oh so that was just like a very progressive story from when it for when it was written then perhaps i was like was wait two, two what women. is happening I'm like oh <laughs> okay so angelica and tormentia decide they want to go into the big city so they go to golden town to kind of take in the pleasures of city life and high society uh but really the whole time tormentia is just distracted by the fact that she's in love with this goat herder and she doesn't know how she can pursue a life with him and so she raised like fairly are they like a 
a noble family. Yes. The Dickens. So she thinks she's. <laughs> she thinks she's above the goat herder. That so if she she would be like marrying below her class if they got together. I I guess so. The the specifics are quite vague. Let's say let's say yes. Yes. Okay. There is certainly some kind of roadblock <laughs> that she perceives that is insurmountable in her her desire to marry the goat herder. It's just a lonely goat herd. Right. High on the hill. And it just so. <laughs> How many times can we reference? <laughs> sound of music. A lot of times. So many times. <laughs> um, do we know anything? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do we know anything about voice types of these different characters? Well, Tormentia no. is a soprano. She's a soprano. I'm betting that Emma Rulus is a tenor. Right. Tenore. And I think Angelica can either be sung by a soprano or a mezzo. Okay. And I think... What is his name? Galantis? Galant, yeah, Galantus. Galantus is, barit- is a baritone. Okay. And I think so pretty Dip- standard. I think it's pretty standard. Let's say Dipkis is a bass. Whatever. And I guess the Empress is a mezzo? Sure. Okay. Dipkis. Let's say Dipshit is a bass. I mean Dipkis. <laughs> I mean Dipkis is what I meant. You were saving that one. And Dipkis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Oh. So... <laughs> I'm just trying. Where are we? <laughs> okay, so Emma Rilus gets wind of the fact that Angelica and Tormentia are on their way. She's suddenly become Mexican. Tormentia. Tormentia. I mean, um, probably. Whoa, whoa. You mean right. Latina. Oh, sorry. I've been eating a lot of Mexican food lately, so it's Mexican cool. Is on it's my cool. Mind. <laughs> it's cool. Yes. We sh- we straightened it out, so we're yeah. good. Naomi is very into tortas right I now. I am very into tortas. <laughs> <laughs> They're <clears throat> your favorite food. Everybody, go to Jalapeno King in Park Slope. No, don't go there. I don't need there to be a line. <laughs> oh, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> Nobody can find out. No one can know of the Jalapeno King. I, I mean, the Nortenia, the Nortenia torta. Anyway. What's in it? What's oh. in the torta? What was in your in your torta? Just in, in case torta? anybody doesn't know, a torta is like a Mexican sandwich. Right. Except like the best possible sandwich on the planet. So better it had, than any other kind of sandwich. It had steak, chorizo, Dang. Pickle, pickled jalapenos, um, lettuce, tomato, some kind of delightful cheese. It had like mm. a really spicy mayo type sauce. In it. Sounds like the whole thing is pretty spicy. Oh, it was spicy. Like, my mouth was on fire, but it was so good. Worth it. Worth it. I got something of... similar, but without the mayonnaise, because mayonnaise is gross. Oh, no, mayonnaise is good. Devil's condiment. Go Especially on. Especially if it's a spicy mayonnaise. No, it's gross. This was spicy. Speaking of chorizo, I had mac and cheese yesterday that had chorizo in it. Mm. I thought your stomach was upset. <laughs> It is. Yeah, I have stomach issues, but what am I supposed to do? Not eat? Right. Uh, I, I might be lactose intolerant, but am I going to give up cheese? No. For your health, Kyle. <laughs> That's, what did I, t- I told you just like an hour ago, I have an, a, an addiction to food and drink. That's true. Just like blanket <laughs> food and drink. <laughs> yes. How can I say it without saying I like putting things in my mouth? <laughs> okay, okay. You heard it here. You, heard it, you, heard it. <laughs> you guys, it's been a real long day. 
sure has. It sure you has. heard it here. You heard it here. Um, shall we say, has intermission hit yet? I don't know. I think it's more than Wait, one act, technically. Has something happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's all for Yes, yes. So, uh, all these people they were in love with each the other. City. They went to Golden Town. They went to Golden Town. Okay. And so... Which sounds made up. Right. Because it is. Emma mm-hmm. Reluce has gotten wind of the fact that Tormentia is in Golden Town. And so, with the aid of magic spells by hobgoblins... Oh, God. He finds her in Golden Town. Okay. Okay? They are overcome with emotion. They have a passionate make-out session kiss. Wait, have they seen Ooh. each other before this? They have. But I think they were separated somehow. Or there was... I said there was an obstacle that we're not quite sure what it is. It's the goats. <laughs> the goats are the obstacle. Carl! Elspeth, that's <laughs> The physical about obstacle or the no. goats. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about she goats anymore. can't cross the goats. Okay. Right. So they have this passionate makeout kiss. Oh no! And is that written in the in the score? I'm guessing so. I'm sure there's like a huge crescendo, and then crash symbols that are like. Pew. Oh shit! Does he die? Well, we all know that she was raised on poison oh, for this moment. Poison. I literally forgot about that. <gasps> okay. That girl is poison. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, but, but, but. We'll put that in, yes. Okay. As soon as this happens, our hero, Emma Reluce, starts, he doesn't die immediately, but his mother, the Empress, appears out of nowhere, and she swoops in, and she takes, he's fallen unconscious, but he's not dead. So she sweeps up Mm. her unconscious son, and she's like, what is happening? I knew that Dipsicus, or Dipsicus, would do this, and I raised my son on poison antidotes to, pre- oh. to prevent this from happening. What the? Gotcha. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, why is he still unconscious? Like, I was very strategic in preventing this from happening. Can I make a guess? Yes. It has something to do with the hobgoblins. <gasps> I think it has something to do with the goats. It has nothing to do with the goats. <laughs> no goat disease, no <clears throat> hobgoblin spells. Okay, please do tell. He is languishing near death because he's separated from his beloved. Because uh. there's an obstacle, and he just wants to be with her. So What is the obstacle? <laughs> I don't know. Uh. <laughs> it's All right. oral. Okay. So then the empress is so moved by the love that her son has for Tormentia that she allows their union. So I'm guessing she was saying, no, you're not allowed well, to marry this girl. then they're perfect for each other, right? I guess so. Because she's poison. <laughs> they're the he only... Is, he's, he's the antidote. He's, he's the antidote. He's literally the only one the that she can be with. only person that she can be with. Right. So this all works out quite well. Wait, is that how it ends? <laughs> Wait, so then... Is this a one act? I don't think it's technically a one act where's the intermission it can be performed in the time of a one act it's not that long oh okay so gotcha okay so she the empress is so moved by her son's love that she allows them to be together or gives her permission for he and tormentia to marry wait does he tell her that he in fact is a prince mm, i don't know (laughs) he probably she probably finds out when the the queen comes in. Right. And she's like, who's this person? <laughs> right. That's your mom? That's shady. That's real shady, but go on. Okay. And so then 
<laughs> the Empress then reconciles somewhat magically with Dipsicus so that they are no longer in this bloody feud. And Do they so hook up? I don't think they hook up, but they like agree to let their children get married. And then Angelica Angelica and Galantus are like, let's get married too. (laughs) Galantus and Dipsicus. So Angelica and Galantus are like, this means we can get married too, right? The maid in the ballot. Right, what is, okay, fine. And then it seems like the hobgoblins, like, get in really good with the Empress's medium, so, like, they're happy too, and they have a happy ending. So, like, the whole thing is, like, everybody lives happily ever after, like so, a Gilbert and Sullivan Okay. Opera. I feel like the only thing that is, like, particularly cool about that entire story <laughs> and not, like, overtly obvious because the whole thing is mostly pretty obvious right but the one like really cool shocking moment would be when you find out that what's his face was raised on antidote right you're like oh i did not see that coming so she just knew that dips was gonna pull this shit yeah i guess so where's his wife Dipsicus? Tormentia must have come from somewhere. Probably it's, died from poison. Yeah, I mean, she's either dead or... I mean, she's dead. Yeah. Died she, in childbirth. Yeah. Classic story. Great. Classic. Done. Yes. Yes. Wow. All right, so, so yeah, that, that, is that is the story of... The Poisoned Kiss? The Poisoned Kiss by Rayfon Williams. I feel like the stakes are quite low. Like, much lower than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Wait, have we listened to any any music from we have, the Poison Kiss? We have not. And there's actually, like, shockingly, few recordings of this what? opera. What? But we're going to listen to some. So here is perhaps a little medley of the greatest hits from the Poison Kiss that we could find. All right.
So Too there's good. some pretty like harsh critiques of this. Let's hear it. Let's hear like the worst, and then we'll call five. it an episode. The worst five critiques. The worst three. I have to okay, pee. well, I have to well, here's one that. <laughs> I hope so, people just get outrageous. Like this was the biggest waste of time. <laughs> this is the no, dumbest no, no. thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and the music was terrible. So this this music or this opera is technically an operetta, so it's a mixture of spoken dialogue and uh, music. Okay. So mm. this one critic was very relieved that a recording that he was listening to or a performance he went to. Like took out all the spoken dialogue, so he said it was much more bearable. Yeah. But then he says that though Von Williams planned this as a light opera, the music belies that. Belies that. Belies that. Mm. On first listening, I found the libretto tiresome, but later hearings have revealed how mere doggerel leads to a score rich in one delectable musical idea after another. Each number mm. is musically, or is musically, I cannot read. Each number is beautifully tailored, never outstaying its welcome. It's almost two hours of music, so that tells us how long it is. Okay. Um, but Dang. the inspiration how does that story take place over two hours? I don't know. Apparently, mm. there's a big emotional climax in an ensemble in Act Two, where the love, the two loves meet, and it leads up to a passionate poisoned kiss and the threat of death to Emma Rilus. Hmm. So, so that was a pretty good review. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there was another one that said, hmm. Well, I mean, obviously it can't be horrible because people still do it <gasps> occasionally. This review says that Empress Persicaria, she has a name besides the Empress, and the magician Dipsicus are disaffected lovers and they plan revenge on each other. So I think you were Ooh. right. They once, you know, got it on and then she left him or something. What if Tormentia... I thought about that and, and I was like, siblings? wait, are they half siblings? What if they're siblings? What I if they're not. full siblings? Full siblings. Ew. Hey, works for yeah, the Lannisters, well. am I right? <laughs> Is that our bar now? I don't know. I haven't, wa- I haven't hey, watched wait, the that's... latest episode of Game of Thrones. Neither have I. Okay, Neither have I. great. Okay. Oh, thank God. Oh. <laughs> I was so worried. <laughs> Yes. What if I was like? Life, you know? What if I was like Jamie dies? <laughs> no. Look, they're both gonna die by the end of the show. Well, actually. You think? There's a well. There's a prophecy. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's about Jamie. I think it's about Tyrion. We don't have to talk about this on the podcast right now, but right. you know what I'm talking about. I think I ex- it mm-hmm. might be possible mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Tormentia has like a pet snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, this review says. Tormentia's lullaby to her cobras is really whimsical in her entreaty for anything to soothe her nerves. Do we have a recording of that? I'm going to look for one and we're going to play it. Yeah, if we do, here it is. Lullaby. (laughs) Hey, it's better than Amarillus having a a pet snake, if you know what I mean. (laughs) No. Or Dipsicus and his pet snake. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will not allow it. No. Apparently, Gustav Holst wrote an opera, The Perfect Fool, which I've also never heard of, uh, in the 1920s, early 1920s, that was full of like spells, wizards, magic, that sort of thing. And I think Holst died like four or five years before this was premiered. 
So okay. this one reviewer thinks that the whole opera was like an ode to his mm. his lost friend. That's nice. In a weird well, kind now of way, I guess. All of us know about the poison kiss. There you go, I'm folks. Sh- I'm Ooh. sure our audience members are thrilled. Are you ready? I found my uh, voice types list. Yeah. Oh, yes, please. Okay, so Angelica, the servant, mm-hmm. is indeed a mezzo-soprano. Mm-hmm. And Figures, Galantus mm-hmm. is indeed a baritone. I nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three hobgoblins named Hob, Gob, and Lob. <laughs> <laughs> Like ping, pang, and pong? I guess Oof. so. They are tenor, baritone, and bass. Of course. Uh, Dipsicus is a baritone. Amaryllus oh. Oh, yeah. is a tenor. Tormentia mm-hmm. is a soprano. And then, oh, the Empress is a contralto. Oh, mm. that's good. Nice. And then she has like three ladies or three mediums that are her like servants. Mm-hmm. And they are soprano, soprano, and mezzo-soprano. And so I think that's what the plot synopsis meant by the mediums or the attendants of the empress at the end get together with hob, gob, and lob. Of course. Uh, that so makes like, sense. Because everybody needs to pair off. Yep. Right. Everyone needs to pair off for a happy for a happy ending. So, yeah. All right. There is a chorus as well with voices, hobgoblins, witches, forest creatures, um, and like village people in golden town so and this is written in english in english okay. uh first premiered in 1936 when i google lullaby for cobras <laughs> poison kiss this is the first thing that comes up i don't know what this is so let's play it right now is it death metal no, i don't know what it is we'll find out lullaby for cobras Kyle. Join us next week for another thrilling episode of Opera After Dark. Bye! Right in the middle of the medley. (laughs) (laughs) Sung operatically. That girl is poison. (laughs) (laughs) She's driving me out of my mind.